Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, hey, welcome to part two in our series called Origin Story, and it's all about your story. We're going to be talking today all about how God wants to work in your life. If you're seeking God in a new way or you're checking Connection Point out as a church, I just want to encourage you. Stay with us this whole month of August. Every weekend, we're going to be talking about your story and how God wants to work in it. Well, real quick, I've got to tell you some exciting news about our story as a church. Just like God wants to write each of our individual stories, he's writing our story as a movement. And there are certain times when we have breakthroughs, and one of those is a position we've been praying about, a role called Executive Pastor of Ministry and Operations. This is really a right-hand person to me who helps oversee all of our ministries and operations. It's a really unique role. Uh, It requires high intelligence in organizational leadership, but it also requires a lot of emotional intelligence. So after two years of looking, uh, I am thrilled with the man that God has brought us. Andy Stevenson is his name. And here's a picture of Andy with his beautiful family. Mel and I have gotten to know not only Andy, but also his wife, Candice, uh, who's an incredible woman of God, very gifted, and Uh, You guys, we are blessed and honored as a church that they're joining our team. Their daughters, Morgan and Mackenzie, incredibly sweet. And I hope you guys will just give them a big welcome. Uh, If you guys are comfortable standing, Andy and Candice, looks like Mackenzie's here too. We love you guys. We're so glad you're here. So if you see them around, you know, say hi and, you know, uh, just, just give them some connection point love within boundaries, of course, okay? All right, hey, let's talk about your story. Where are you at in your story? I mean, how's life going? Uh, Your story includes where you came from. We don't get to pick that. It includes where you're headed. You do get a lot of say in that. How would you rate your story overall right now? Uh, Would you say that the trajectory, the graph line of your life, it's going the way you want it to go? Uh, Or would you say it's just kind of flatlined or, or that it's bad? Now, just because you're going through something hard doesn't mean that you're not living a great story. In fact, we're going to see from God's word that most of the people who live a great life, they go through hard things. But do you know every night when you lay your head on your pillow, do you have a sense of inner peace that the direction of your life, your relationships, your career, your inner life, that it's headed in a good direction, in a better direction, maybe even in a best direction? I want to talk with you today about breakthrough moments. Uh, We all have them, or at least we can have them, and over the course of a lifetime, there's often three or four key breakthrough moments that if you hadn't been there at the right time in the right place, and if you hadn't been the right person in the right time in the right place, um, your life wouldn't have changed for the better. Actress Helen Mirren says this about her breakthrough moment in her career. She was being interviewed, and she described how she worked for seven years as an actress on theater plays doing Shakespearean productions. And after seven years, she had this day where she was reading these lines, and she just realized she had full mastery of the character and the voice. It took her seven years to get to that breakthrough. 
Uh, you've probably heard of the Beatles, pretty famous band from a generation or two ago, best-selling musicians of all time. One of my favorite parts in the story of the Beatles is when they went and auditioned for a really big, big record label at the time called Decca Records. And the executives from Decca Records said, sorry guys, there's no room in the marketplace for the kind of thing you're doing. Can you imagine if they had been like, well, I guess we're not doing the right thing here. We should just hang it up. Instead, they kept going. Uh, and they, you know, defied that and they broke every record of album sales in the world. I wonder, where do you need a breakthrough right now? Is it in a relationship? Maybe your marriage or another relationship is just stuck. Maybe you're in a career where you do not love what you're doing. It's not what you're called to be doing. You're just there to pay the bills. Maybe it's in your inner life. You need a breakthrough in your inner life that you're just kind of stuck. Uh, I found in my life sometimes I need breakthroughs from things that I'm not even aware of in myself. You might not even realize it, but you might be living in a dysfunctional family system where maybe there's verbal abuse or things that have been passed down through generations or maybe things that your parents or siblings spoke over you as a kid that they said, oh, you'll never do this or you'll never amount. And you need to break through by breaking out of those things. How do you do that? How do you get there? I want to tell you about one of my biggest breakthrough moments, and I'll tell you the details at the end of the message. But before we show you the breakthrough moment, let me just ask you a question. Have you ever seen one of those couples where they're married, and forgive me, I'm being a little superficial here, but the one is like so attractive, and the other one is, is not? And you look at them and you just think like, how in the world did they end up together? Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, we're real at Connection Point. Do you know what I'm talking about? If you don't know what I'm talking about, this is what it looks like right here. That's it. Like, how in the world does that guy get that girl? I, <laughs> that's a breakthrough moment. But, but I'll tell you more detail at the end of our time, but truly, Mel stooping down to my level was a breakthrough moment in ways way more significant than the superficial. Um, there were gaps in my life um, as a kind of nerdy writer, youngest, gaps of, about inability to connect with people and belong and have a sense of family uh, that God has used Mel in my life. Meeting Mel was a breakthrough moment for me. And, and I'll tell you later, if I hadn't been in the exact right place at the exact right time, and if I hadn't become the right person, I would have missed that breakthrough moment. I don't want you to miss any breakthrough moments in your life. I want you to become the right person. I want you to be at the right place. And if you will, God will work out the timing. If I could tell you today how you can do those three things, you can, with God, become the right person. As you follow God, end up at the right place. So that breakthrough moments, maybe that you know you need, or maybe some you don't even realize you need, occur in your life over and over again. Here's the question. How can you be sure that you don't miss your calling? How can you be sure you don't miss your moment in your life? God answers this for you today in a way that I'm telling you, if you'll open your heart to God right now and you'll just say, God, speak to me, God's word speaks so clearly about this. You can take this today and you can lay your head on your pillow tonight and every night for the rest of your life knowing I am becoming the right person. I'm going to be in the right place. God's going to bring my breakthroughs because I'm following his plan for breakthroughs. Here's the story. We started it last week with David, the youngest, the runt of the family, the shepherd boy. 
and we saw one of his breakthroughs. We'll look at some more today, because when the story starts, um, David is, you know, everything I just described, but there's this other character, King Saul. King Saul started out really well. In fact, God put King Saul over his people, which was the nation of Israel at that time. Those were God's people on earth. And, and Saul started well, but over time, as he got wealthy, as he got blessed, as he got prosperous, Saul started to make it all about how he felt and his own ego. And eventually, Saul's ego got between him and God, and God said, I want a different king. So God's really a main character in this story. And God speaks to Samuel the prophet and says, Samuel, I want you to go anoint another king. And little review, if you missed any of it last week, God says, Samuel, the new king, uh, is in this town of Bethlehem, and he's one of Jesse's kids. So Samuel goes to Jesse's house. He says, I need all, I need all your kids here. Jesse says, okay, they're, they're all here. I've gathered them together. And one by one, Samuel says, Lord, is it this one? Is it this one? And God keeps saying, not it, not it, not it. Finally, Samuel goes through all of them, and he, he looks at the dad, and he goes, what's going on? God told me one of your kids is the next king. God says it's not any of these. And the dad goes, oh, yeah. I totally forgot about the youngest. He's out watching the sheep and the goats. I mean, he's not really king material. And Samuel says, bring him on in. And here's the point. This may look like a, an odd detail, but we're going to find that this is a theme in David's life, that he is serving faithfully. Often when other people are seeking fame or doing other things, he's serving faithfully with a big view of God. And that is the path to God-level breakthrough moments. If you will serve faithfully with a big view of God, it will make you the right person, it will lead you to the right places, and God will bring about breakthroughs that you could never bring about for yourself. Put it another way, faithfully serving with a big view of God, it will prepare you, and then it will place you in your breakthrough moments. So uh, after Saul anoint, or rather Samuel anoints David, kind of nothing changes. You'd think it'd be like, okay, he's anointed king, now there's going to be like, what, white horses and a parade and a bunch of fanfare. No, actually nothing changes the next day. And a few weeks go by, David's still out in the fields with the sheep and with the goats. His brothers resume their normal bantering and uh, kind of making fun of him. And then this weird part of the story happens. I'm going to try to summarize it very quickly. But King Saul starts to go through depression, more or less. He's having these bipolar mood swings. And King Saul, he's all upset, and his advisors say, uh, Saul, we should bring in a musician who can play some soothing music to just help you with your mood swings. And the advisor's talking, they say, well, it can't just be a good musician. I mean, it's got to be someone who's good with people. It's got to be someone who's reliable. It really should be someone where, like, God is on this person. And, and here's the important part of this. If Saul knew who the next king was, Saul would kill that person. Uh, in fact, that's going to happen later in the story. Saul is jealous at this point. He's controlling. He's turned evil. So Saul does not know that David's the next king. But these advisors, just as fate would have it, one of them goes, oh, we need a good musician who's got character, these other things. I know a kid who's like that. There's this kid named David. I've seen him over in Bethlehem. He plays music. He's responsible. God's with him. And, and so Saul sends for David. 
And probably David and his dad are thinking like, oh, great, cat's out of the bag that David's anointed. Saul wants to kill him. David shows up, and Saul's like, hey, I want you to be my harp player. So look at this. In chapter 16, verse 21, David went to Saul and noticed these three words, and began serving. And it enters this very awkward season where serving faithfully is a weird environment. This is just a theme in David's life. David faithfully served, we've seen in the fields. Then he faithfully serves in Saul's palace. Next, we're about to see, after he serves Saul for a while, and Saul's like, I really like this guy. Even sends a message to his dad, like, man, you've got a great son. I kind of want him to be part of my official team. Then a war breaks out. And David's older brothers go off to fight with Saul against the enemies, the Philistines. And you'd think at this point, David, he's been anointed, he actually knows the king, that something better would happen for him, but his dad says, no, I don't want you going to war, I want you to keep watching the sheep and the goats. In fact, I want you to kind of be my pack mule. You know, this journey from where we live to the front lines of the battle, you're going to be my pack mule and you're going to carry food back and forth, and that's where we'll pick up in the story in just a moment But let me ask you this as we look at levels of breakthrough. First level breakthrough, David gets anointed as king. What did he need to do? He needed to be serving faithfully with a big view of God. Then after he's anointed as king, he continues serving faithfully, big view of God. Second level breakthrough, he gets to the palace. Now he's watching, here's how a king works. He's meeting advisors who will someday work for him, but it's awkward. He keeps serving faithfully. Next level breakthrough we'll see today When David gets to the most famous part of his story, David and Goliath, the only reason he was there is because he was faithfully serving in a really humble way. Uh, Let me just ask you real quick in your life, um, which level of these would you put yourself at today in your story? Maybe you're still waiting for that first level breakthrough. In other words, there's no visual line between what you think you're called to, what your life dream is, and where you are today. There was no visual line between sheep and goats in a field and becoming the king of a nation. There was no visual line there, but God was working there. Maybe that's where you are. If so, keep serving faithfully with a big view of God. Maybe you're in that second part where then David gets to the palace and Saul's essentially using him as an emotional support animal. He's like, make me feel better. And David's got to be thinking like, this is weird and I'm the next king, and if he knew he'd kill me, are you in a season of serving where it just, it feels awkward? I mean, you know God has lined it up, and you're being faithful, but it just feels awkward. If so, keep being faithful to God with a big view of God. Well, let's uh, ask this question for you. Are you in place for your next level breakthrough? And, And you can confidently answer yes if you are or choose today to be faithfully serving with that big view of God. Let's pick up in the story, 1 Samuel 17, verse 1. The Philistines gather their army for battle. They want to defeat the Israelites, God's people. And they camp in this area between Saka and Judah. Here it is today. You can actually visit this place over in Israel. And you can see how there's a valley between these two small mountain ranges. So literally, God's army of the Israelites was camped on one mountainside, and the Philistine armies camped on the other. And you've maybe heard some of the story of Goliath, this nine-foot-tall guy 
grizzled warrior, ultimate fighting champion, and how he would march out to the middle of this valley by himself, and he would shout out, uh, he would make fun of God and his people, and he'd say, send me your best warrior, and let's just do a one-on-one fight instead of uh, a total bloodbath of us annihilating all of you guys. Archaeologists have gone there and stood in the middle and have tested the decibel level. If you stand in the middle and you yell, you can actually hear it on both sides of this mountain. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, verse 11, they were terrified and deeply shaken. It's gone on for 40 days of Goliath taunting God's people. David, meanwhile, verse 14 and 15, his older brothers are there with the army, but he's going back and forth from Bethlehem so that he can watch his dad's sheep. One day, verse 17, David's dad says, hey, would you take this basket of grain Take these loaves of bread, carry them quickly to your brothers. Now, quickly was really quite a favor because if you map this out from Bethlehem to Saka, where the armies were, is 15 miles. So to put that in perspective, if you were to go to our Avon campus today and you headed toward downtown Indianapolis on foot and you walked the entire way, I I mapped it on Apple Maps by foot, four hours and 39 minutes of walking, That's 15 miles, so same distance, but not on a paved road, over mountains, and with probably 60, 70 pounds of food. So, verse 20, David left the sheep with another shepherd, set out early the next morning with the gifts, just as his dad had asked him. David gets there, he gives the food to the people who are in charge of the food, and as he's doing that, Goliath is marching out to the middle, and he hears the taunt. He hears him mocking God, mocking God's army, mocking God's people. And while everyone around David is consumed with Goliath and this army that they know has better armor and stronger, bigger guys, David has a Godward view. Look at this. David's God-focused response. When, When Goliath starts to taunt God's people, David says, who is this pagan Philistine that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God. So David's now, he's in the right place, but notice this, if he didn't have a big view of God, he wouldn't be the right person. It wouldn't matter that he's there. He'd be like everyone else, trembling. But he's not, because of his big view of God. Well, uh, word of mouth travels through this camp, and, and everyone starts saying, or at least enough people, there's this kid saying he can go fight Goliath because God is with him. That word travels all the way to King Saul, And now think about this. If just some random kid with a slingshot walked in and said, I can kill the giant, do you think the king would take it seriously? Not at all. Why does King Saul take it seriously? Because he knows David. Because David served in that awkward way as Saul's emotional support animal, Saul knows David's character. He knows this isn't a guy who exaggerates. This is a guy on whom the Spirit of God is. This is a guy who's honest and hardworking and capable. He's saying he could defeat Goliath? Like, I'm, I'm curious because I know his character. So King Saul invites David into his royal tent there. And listen to this. The moment David walks in, don't worry about the Philistine. I'll go fight him. It sounds like ego. But what it is is Godward confidence. Saul says, don't be ridiculous. There's no way that you can fight this Philistine. You couldn't even possibly win. You're only a boy. 
I mean, he's been doing this. He's been killing people in hand-to-hand combat since his youth. But David persists. And notice, you're going to see the theme in here of a God-word focus as David answers. He says, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, faithfully serving. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, here's what I do. I go after it with a club, and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw, and I club it to death. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. And and at this point, you're thinking, oh, this guy's like full of himself. But look where he gives the credit here. I have done this both to lions and to bears, and I'll do it to this Philistine. Why? Because he's defied the armies of the living God. This is actually all about God. It's not about me or my ego. And uh, look at this. He continues, verse 37. It's the Lord who rescued me. Who gets credit for the fact that I've killed lions and bears? It's God. Like, I know I'm just a kid. But as I walk with God, he's allowed me to do these things. And I know that the same God is with me today. And the same God doesn't put up with people taunting him and making fun of him. And I know that if I go out there in God's power, God will defeat the Philistine. Not me. Bottom line is this. David was in the right place. And he had become the right person. How? By faithfully serving with a big view of God. I wonder, in your life story, when your breakthrough moment comes across the conveyor belt, will you actually be there? Will you be in the right place? And will you be the right person to receive the breakthrough moment? How can you be sure you climb this ladder? People talk about climbing the corporate ladder. And by the way, if God's called you to a corporate career and that's his plan for your life, he'll help you do that. But there's a far more important ladder to climb. The ladder of true greatness, which is the ladder of serving. Here's a few of David's steps. You might pull out your phone. Some of these slides today are things where you could study this for hours. You could pick one of these steps each day and and read these verses. We saw David was serving when God picked him. Then David served in that awkward position in the palace. Then he served his way into his breakthrough moment. If he had told his dad, what do you mean you want me to carry food 15 miles? Don't you realize I'm anointed the king? I mean, don't you realize I even know the king? I'm not like a pack mule dad, but he serves his way into his breakthrough moment. Then he's going to serve the least of these because Saul, after David, uh, spoiler alert, he does defeat Goliath. We'll talk about that next week. But uh, after that, Saul gets all jealous and starts to, to chase after him with an army. And this kind of motley group of castaways and outsiders who grow together to become this mighty army they gather around david he serves the least of these then eventually after seven years on the run he will become the king he'll serve a nation and he serves the nation very well for most of his career he has a big sin toward the end and that'll be later in our series but even when david sinned he turned his view back to god and god forgave him and in the end he ends up serving all humanity and here's what i mean you've heard of christmas the Christ of Christmas, Jesus, the Savior of the world. Through Jesus' work on the cross, anyone who believes in him can have their sins forgiven, have eternal life, be made right with God. Where was Jesus the Christ born? In Bethlehem, the city of David. He's of the lineage of David. And so as you serve faithfully with a big view of God, God keeps taking up your level of influence. Maybe not in human eyes, 
But when you get to heaven and you look back, you realize you attached yourself to the greatest story of all eternity by serving God faithfully. Jesus climbed this ladder perfectly without sinning. And at the end of Jesus' life, here's what he said in John 17. Right before he went to the cross, he says this, I have brought you glory. He's talking to God the Father. I've brought you glory on earth. How? By completing the work you gave me to do. This, by the way, is worth taking a picture of because this is the definition of a best life. Your best life is not defined by your net worth. It's not defined by the size of your house or your assets. Your, your best life isn't even defined by how you feel or what people think about you. The best possible life is to look back at the end of your life and know the specific things that God put me on earth to do, I did them. That's the definition of a best life. And as you start to find that, every night that you can lay your head on your pillow, even if it was a bad day, a hard day, you lay your head on your pillow and you know, I'm doing the things God created me to do, then you have this inner peace. You are living your best possible life. Well, I want to give you very quickly four things that have to be true of you if you want to live the best possible story that you can. Four things that, I mean, they're not optional. If you miss any one of these four, your story won't be its best. It might be good, it might be better, but it's not going to be best. Here's the first one. You'll look back on your life and you'll say, I served faithfully in unseen preparation. There were times that I served God and no one else even knew. No one else knew that I was on my knees praying. No one else knew that I was giving Maybe I invited a, a whole bunch of people and it seems like most of them said no to me and they blew me off. I either invited them to Jesus or invited them to church to hear about Jesus. But then you get to heaven at the end of your life on earth and there's dozens of people there. Unseen preparation, it's a step that you cannot skip on the path to greatness. Part of this is believing what God says of you. If you're a follower of Jesus, here's what's true of you. Ephesians 2, verse 10. The moment you trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you don't have to buy this, you don't have to earn this, you receive Jesus' work on the cross, you get adopted into God's family, and then this is true of you. You are now God's masterpiece. In other words, he's crafting you, he's working on you like an artisan. And here's the thing, he created you in Christ Jesus so that you can do good things. In other words, God has specific good works for you to do that I can't do, that no one else can do. And get this, he planned these for you long ago. So before your parents were born, before your grandparents were born, God, as an eternal God, had already designed, and he said, oh, I want her to be able to raise a daughter uh, who will grow up and know me. I want him to serve in his workplace, and yes, I'll give him the skills to be good at his job, but I want to place him there because he's got a coworker who has no hope in life unless they hear about me. And God has these specific things that only you can do. And I'm telling you guys, next to meeting Jesus as your Savior, the most fulfilling thing you can do in your life is start to find these good works that God has for you. And, and, and it, the big part of finding them is just believing they exist. And then starting to step out and say, um, is God calling me to do this? Is God calling me to do that? You keep taking steps. You be faithful with little, he'll make you faithful with much. Colossians 3, whatever you do, so in your career, in your home, 
in every domain of your life, work at it with all your heart. Why? Because you're working for God. In other words, you have a Godward view like David did. You're not working for human masters. So maybe your boss doesn't see you and appreciate you. Maybe your coworkers are terrible to you. You're still the hardest working, most reliable, most pleasant person on the team because you're actually working for God. It's important for you to know in the body of Christ, pastors and missionaries and full-time workers are not any more spiritual than accountants and homemakers and entrepreneurs. One's not more spiritual than the other. The question is just this, are you living the calling that God has given you? And God and his design of the body and how we all work together, no one role is more important, but what God's plan is for each of us is, are you serving faithfully where you are? Uh, I, I can't tell you enough of how much fulfillment this brings. Um, when I was a journalist, I got to be a small group leader at a church in Scottsdale, Arizona. I was 23, and the pastor over small groups came up to me one day, and he said, hey, um, we want to start some small groups for college-age students. Will you lead one? Well, I'd never led a small group before, but I stepped out, and I served faithfully, and, and that became my thing, and I had no idea that that's where I would learn that God had entrusted to me a gift of teaching. I never would have discovered that if I hadn't said yes to being a small group leader. Okay, second thing that has to be true for you to look back on your life and say that was my best possible life is this. You didn't run from struggle. You're going to have difficulty. Whether you live a great life or a bad life, there's just going to be difficulty. Jesus said in this world you'll have trouble. Thanks to Satan, thanks to sin, thanks to evil, there will be struggle. The question is this, when struggle comes your way, will you quit? Will you quit on God? Will you lay down? Will you give up? Or in the struggle, will you look to God? Just like David did. I mean, he runs for seven years for his life, but he keeps looking to God. We have Psalms that he wrote during that time. And because David looked to God, he got stronger in his struggle. And the same is true of you. If you'll look to God in your struggle, God will make you stronger for it. You've heard this about trees. If a tree never has to go through a storm, its roots don't go down as deep. And then when a storm comes, it blows right over. Those struggles in your life are preparing you to carry the weight of greatness in future seasons of your life. Third thing that has to be true for you to look back on your life and know that wasn't just a good life, that was the best life I could have lived is this. You did your part, but you didn't do it alone. There's a myth in American culture of the lone ranger or the lone wolf. A myth that you could achieve greatness, you could achieve your best story as a solo act. Uh, it's not in the Bible. Even Jesus, who was perfect, had his 12 disciples. You're not going to reach your best story alone. Uh, if you're a man, you've got to have some godly men who know you and they know your struggles and they encourage you and they speak God's truth to you. Uh, if you're a woman, you've got to have some other godly women who they know you and they know what's going on in your life. Think about this. If Samuel hadn't anointed David, the shepherd boy, then he, he wouldn't have even known I'm supposed to be the king of this nation. Samuel played such a key role. There will be Samuels in your life. Uh, this, is, this is super fun. This is where like following Jesus just gets fun. You serve faithfully with a big view of God, and you become expectant. God's going to bring some Samuels into my life. 
They're going to see things in me that I don't see in myself. They're going to open doors for me that I couldn't open myself. And then as you keep following Jesus, guess what? He'll use you to be a Samuel for someone else. I got to do this yesterday for a friend who's going through some stuff. And I just said, here's what God taught me when I went through that. And afterwards, he was like, oh, my goodness, this is a paradigm shift. I didn't know that conversation was going to go there. I was just telling him what God has taught me. David also had his mighty men. Um, and and you got to have that inner circle. Okay, fourth thing that has to be true at the end of your life for you to achieve your best life with God is that you lived like Almighty God is with you. None of us do these things perfectly. David didn't do them perfectly. But if you'll do these more often than not, if these will be the theme, the consistent theme of your life, your life will become the best life God has for you. And notice this. You live choosing to be on God's team. It's not living saying, okay, God, here's everything I want, so God, be on my team. There's actually a Bible story about that where there's two armies, and the one has God's name on it, and a presence of God shows up, and the, the commander says, hey, which, uh, which team are you on? And God more or less says, um, I don't go on people's teams. People come on my team. And it's a, it's a really important distinction. Your best life isn't, God, here's everything I want. Will you join my team? It's, Jesus, you said to gain my life, I lose it. You said I have to die to myself daily. I, I'm going to join your team. I'm going to seek first your kingdom. <laughs> and I can't even put it into words, but the fulfillment, the joy, the peace, the things that God gives you that you didn't even know you needed or wanted when you join his team Uh, It takes you to the best place in your story. Well, I mentioned this before. When you serve faithfully, God will bring you the Samuel that you need. And I just want to show you a little bit of how God has done this in my life. Um, And it's not about me, but we're in a story called Origin, a series called Origin Story. We're all talking about, you know, our childhoods, our how's God been there. And, um, you know, we all have gaps in our, in ourselves, we have divots, we have cavities in our character and in our person. Uh, some of them maybe are from our upbringing. I, I don't know a, a lot about how to connect in family relationships from my upbringing. Some of them are our personality. By personality, I'm just like a very introverted, nerdy writer with very terrible people skills. And, and that, so I've got these gaps. And guess what? You probably don't even know what your biggest needs are for breakthrough because they're big old cavities in the side of you that the people around you see, but you don't even know. And you couldn't fix them on your own. But if you'll serve faithfully with a big view of God, he'll bring you Samuels who will show you how God can fill those gaps. Now, here's eight of my Samuels. And I'm not going to take you through all the details. But every one of these people have been used by God for huge breakthrough moments in my life. And earlier I showed you the picture of Mel. It says inner life there. Because here's the thing. When me and Mel met, um, I lived in my head, in my feelings. I would spend all day at Barnes & Noble journaling. Uh, I mean, as a journalist, I would go out and get stories. But I just, I lived in my feelings and in my thoughts and in ideas. I had no idea how to give love or receive love. I had no idea really even how to work with people. And this was such a huge breakthrough for me because what God has called me to do in life, there's an intellectual side to studying the Bible and finding the truths, but you know what's actually way more important with what I'm called to do? 
working well with elders, working well with staff, being able to teach the Bible in a way that humans can understand. Guess who God used to teach me all of that? Mel. Now, here's my point. Do you know where I met Mel? I told you earlier I was a small group leader at a church in Scottsdale, Arizona. I was in the lobby of that church, Scottsdale Bible Church. And I was on the prowl, but not for a wife. (laughs) Truly. Here's what I would do. I would show up at church, and I would look for anyone between the age of 18 and 30 who looked like they were alone. And I'd go straight to them, and I'd say, hey, I've got a small group. Here's my number. Come to our group. And, And it was this awesome little crew. It was our little mighty men, our little motley group of people who didn't belong anywhere else. And the week before, I had invited a girl to the small group, and she came, and I saw her walk into the lobby, and I said, uh, hey, did you like, so? whoa, who is that with you? It was Mel's friend. Mel's friend came back to church and brought Mel with her. And the point is this, if I hadn't been serving as a small group leader, I wouldn't have been in the right place. And if I hadn't been, you know, obeying God with what he'd been showing me, I wouldn't have been the right person um, to be able to marry so much higher than I deserve. And then God used Mel, and he continues to use Mel, to to fill gaps in my life and character that I don't even know I have. Uh, And I look back now after about 15 years of marriage, and I'm just like, God, what a breakthrough. Now, Uh, similar stories I won't tell you all the details on all of them but like my undergrad for college I had no idea how to pay for college and I had no kind of guidance about what to study or anything this guy Terry him and his wife owned a farm and they would let me work on their farm and they would overpay me because they knew that I was using the money for college and then they'd invite me into their living room and I'd say things like well I think I want to be a writer but I got a D in English true story And a lot of my family laughs at me when I say that I think I want to be a writer. And Terry and his wife, Carlene, would say, John, study writing. You're good with ideas. And and they just so overpaid me on my farm work that I was able to use those funds for my undergrad. Similar thing for my master's degree at seminary. Similar thing that Mel's done in my life. Then when God called me and Mel to a little church of 40 people in the mountains of Arizona, and it grew up to be a few hundred people, and I had no idea what I was doing The guy on the top right, Tom Garishay and his wife Lynn, they had just retired from leading a much larger church and they found me and they just took me under their wing and they taught me, here's how you be a pastor. And and then, you know, on the bottom row where I haven't known what does it look like to be the kind of dad I want to be, what does it look like to be the kind of husband I want to be, God has brought me Samuels in every area of my life where if if I didn't have these people, uh, I would be, I just wouldn't be living my best life. And, and this might sound weird, but I'm going to show you where I met each of these people, because I don't think it's a coincidence. I met every single one of these people in a church, even when I was working as a journalist. I mean, I wasn't a pastor for the first half of these, but I was in a church. And, and faithfully serving, it includes your home, it includes your workplace, definitely. I mean, for David, it was in the fields, it was in the palace. But I'm telling you guys, there's something supernatural about the body of Christ when we come together. And there's something, if you're not yet serving somewhere in the body, there, if you will show up to serve faithfully with a big view of God, you'll meet some Samuels. They'll unlock some things in you that you don't even know are there. They'll open doors that you could never open on your own. Well, another Samuel in our church is a couple that back in June, um, 
decided that they wanted to match new recurring givers. And their motive in this was to be a Samuel, that is to help people who haven't yet experienced the joy of giving to take a first step. And so um, they offered that back in June, and everyone who signed up to be a new recurring giver, their giving was doubled for the first three months. And I want to celebrate today, that's over 100 uh, families and individuals that signed up for that. So way to go, all of you who took that first step. Yeah, that... That is what funds our 26 missionaries around the world. It literally feeds kids in Guatemala and in Africa. It allows this facility to keep the lights on and keep the paint fresh. Uh, everything that we're doing here is through that kind of faithful serving. And so I met with this couple uh, to thank them and to let them know it's over 100 families now. And here's part of what they said. I thought this just fits so well with what God's teaching us. They said, we learned a long time ago in a Henry Blackaby study called Experiencing God, to look for where God is at work and join him. In other words, they said, you know, part of one of the gifts God has given us in faithfully serving is a gift of generosity. We're constantly looking, where's God at work? And, and then just, I'm so grateful for this, for them to say, we've seen ministries all around the country. We don't see God at work anywhere quite as much as we do at Connection Point. Why is that? because Jesus is the head of the church, and all of you are serving. As each member does its part, God causes the body to grow. And so what did this family do in a way that's unseen to anyone but God and the CFO, and I guess I know? No one else knows. But they led 100 people into a lifestyle change that will not only bear fruit for the kingdom, but will bear fruit in them. That's what it looks like to be a Samuel. So as you faithfully serve with a big view of God, He's going to bring Samuels to you, and then he's going to bring people to you as you grow where you end up being a Samuel to them. Let me help you with the first step. If you're not sure where to start serving today, um, you can pull out your phone, uh, and you can, actually, if you just open your camera, this is called a QR code, open your camera and point it at that, it'll bring up a web page right away. Or you can text the word serve to the number on the screen. Either way, you'll get a bunch of options. If you know for sure, like, oh, kids ministry or small group leader, you can check that. If you don't know, you can say that. And we'll have kind of a concierge guide from our staff guide you into your place of serving. Um, by God's grace, because we're growing, we could definitely use um, servants in our kids ministry. Uh, the line is long some days because we're reaching so many families. It's awesome. Uh, Mel, my wife, serves as a middle school small group leader for middle school girls. Uh, and she doesn't tell me the names, but sometimes she'll tell me some of the struggles that they're having. And I just think, oh my goodness, we need more godly women pouring into our middle school and high school boys and girls. Um, adult small group leaders. Some of you, you're here and you have come from a place where God has invested in you and you've been in a season where you're coasting or you're kind of recharging your batteries. Those are okay seasons. Um, but there are new believers here who need to be discipled, and uh, these are all good problems. So serve faithfully wherever God calls you with a big old view of God. He's bigger than your feelings. He's bigger than the people who've wronged you. He's bigger than your obstacles. He's bigger than your opponents. Serve him faithfully with a big view and just wait and watch for him to bring the breakthrough. Let me pray that for you now. Father, Lord, I thank you for uh, my wife, Mel, who you brought into my life. I thank you for everyone on that grid of people 
I just wouldn't be the person I am if you hadn't brought those people into my life. And I thank you, Lord, that you want to use each of us here in that way to help others. And Lord, you've got breakthroughs waiting. There's people who are so stuck in their marriage or in their career. They're just one breakthrough away, and if they'll serve you faithfully with a big view of you, God, I just, I want this for them because I've, I've lived it. And um, your plan for our life is so much better than our plan. God, I want your best for every person who's listening to, to this today. Lord, may they seek you with all their heart. Would you guide them, guide their steps? shape them to be the right person in the right place at the right time and as they do that god just bless their socks off surprise them with your breakthrough moments we pray in jesus name amen well if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way we would invite you to keep following jesus with us we send out a daily video text devotional you can receive that And you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us. And please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.